Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. So I want to I want to kind of try to connect some dots from the last couple of weeks um, and, and summarize what I think we've been trying to say uh, through Isaiah 58. And to kind of recap, the, the overarching topic of this book was that God is trying to show us what it means to love him and how to worship him well. And he's talking to the Israelites And he's trying to remind them and and educate them that it is impossible to love God without having a heart for justice. The two are inseparably interconnected. And what we have to be mindful of is that I, I can't say that I know God and I love God and I'm following God and I'm seeking God, yet my heart is cold and turned off to the people around me that are suffering and hurting. And so I, I, wanna, I want us to see that when we're talking about this issue of loving God and worshiping God, we have to make sure that we understand who God is and what his priorities are. And so I wanted to use this scripture that's also from uh, the Bible in the New Testament that comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, and then I'm going to read verse number 11 at the end. And this is, this is important. I want us to hear this. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. And here's the part, because God is love. His nature, his character, everything about whatever we define as love, it has to look like God because God himself is love. Everything he does, everything he he says, everything that emanates from him is an expression of love because God is love. And then it says, this is how we know, this is how God showed his his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we believe that Jesus was this picture, this perfect portrait of what God's love looks like. What it means unconditionally to love faithfully, to, to forgive and to care and have compassion on folks. This is what the Bible is trying to tell us, that, that we have a, a perfect image of what it looks like to live a life filled with love. And then the last part of this verse, uh, Taylor, put verse 11 back up, please. Dear friends... Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And that's the point. I cannot have this wonderful, glorious, all the songs that we sing, all the words that we say, God, I love you. God, I, I, God you're not my number one priority. And, and I'm the meanest, grumpiest, nastiest person you've ever seen in your life. I walk into a room and people run the other way. That's not what God's love looks like. And so if I call myself with God and following God, then I should be a a reflection of the love of God. People should know what God's love looks like because they know me. Love should be oozing out of me. And people who describe me should say, wow, I get a glimpse 
of what amazing love looks like because you show it to me. I don't have to tell you to go to a certain place. I don't have to tell you to quote a certain scripture. I definitely don't have to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. All I have to do is live my life in a way that shows you this is what unending love looks like. Amen. And, and so God, God is saying that if we love him, it is absolutely critical that we love other people. And if I don't love other people, then I don't really love God. And here's something I I want you to know. Did you know you can affect God as much as God affects you? That our love relationship is not just one direction. You have the power to affect, to impact God. Why do I say that? Because as much as God is full of love, as much as God gives love, God also is heartbroken. God literally has a heart that breaks when he looks down upon the world and he sees injustice and broken relationships. It breaks God's heart. There's a scripture that tells us this in Bible. It says in the Bible, it says that when I'm acting in one of these ways where I've got anger and animosity and conflict, or I'm, I'm being rude, or I, I'm being hateful, or I'm being vengeful, or I'm not forgiving. It says, God doesn't get angry at me. It says, God is grieved. He's heartbroken. I mean, think about what it was like when somebody that you loved or cared for, you know, passed on, and the sadness and, 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 and the, 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 the grief that you felt because you were separated from them in the way that you had been. That's exactly how God feels when we participate in injustice and when we are living in broken relationships. When I say something angry, when I say something out of spite, when I have a brother or sister, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. I don't even like you. When I've got coworkers that I'm, they turn their back and I got my little doll and I'm poking pins in them because they've been mean to me and I don't like them. When parents and children can't have loving conversations. When husbands and wife are in feuding factions on the opposite side of the house. God looks down and he's not angry. We can think of this God up here with like these lightning bolts that he's trying to zap us because we're not. No, he looks at us and he's heartbroken because we are participating in the brokenness and the injustice in the world. And I, I want us to hear this. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, justice isn't just in the big marches out on the street. Injustice happens right in our own homes. I can be cruel. I can be impatient. I, 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 I can be abusive. I can be neglectful right in my own intimate relationships. And God's heart breaks when he sees that because he wants nothing more than for us to look like him and talk like him and act like him and love like him. And forgive like him. Anybody know you got a couple things on your roster that needed forgiven? That that, that you needed some mercy and God looked at you and said, you know what? I'm not happy with that, but I'm going to love you in spite of what you just said or did. And what the scripture is saying is that we have received so much abundance, so much ridiculous love from God, so much forgiveness, so much mercy that we should have some to give away to the people around us. Not because they deserve it, but because we're overflowing with all that God has poured into us. 
And so, and so when God is talking to his people in the scripture, what he's saying is you have to live a life of justice because what justice means is that you care for those around you that are hurting and suffering. You, you have ability, you have some cushion, some margins. Not to hold them accountable for every wrong that they do and every word that they say, but that you, just like God loved you abundantly, can treat people the same way that they might not see you, but see him instead. So here's the good news. We don't have to do that by ourselves. The whole good news, what, what, the, what this whole story of the Bible is, is that God says, I know you're not going to be able to pull it off, but I'm going to take care of this myself. I see the brokenness in the world. I see the hurt. I see the strife. I see the division. And so I'm going to bring this broken and hurting world back to me. I'm going to do it myself. And so Isaiah gives us a glimpse of this, a glimpse of this early in the chapter when he's talking about this Messiah figure, the one that would come, that one who is God, who would come from God. And here's what it says he's going to do. He is going to come, and of his, in, of his government and peace, there will be no end. I want you to understand that when God comes back, he's running things. It's not going to be a democracy. We're not going to vote him into office and then vote him out four years later. There'll be no controversy. There'll be no division. When he comes and recreates this whole earth, he will have an eternal government that will be uh, um, recognized, that will be represented by peace, shalom, wholeness, unity, love. And he says, I know you can't pull it off, so I'm going to come and I'm going to do it myself. And listen to what he says. He will, reign, uh, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it. Don't miss this. He will uphold his government forever with justice and righteousness. That's what he's bringing back. He is coming to create a world of justice, and it will be characterized by righteousness, and it will have that personality, that, that thumbprint, that stamp of God forever. And the zeal of God, the power of God, the love of God, the desire of God for us to be brought back to him, he's going to accomplish it, not because we were good enough, but because he loved us enough to do it himself. That's the good news. That's what he promised. It's coming. It's going to happen. He said, I'm going to take care of all of this hurt and division and strife. I'm going to make this a brand new earth, a brand new world. You will be brand new creations under the light of God forever. Now, that's coming, but it's not quite here yet. He said, it, he said when I come back, this is what's going to happen. But what do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, we have this incredible opportunity. People ask the question, what's my purpose here? What's my purpose for living? Why, am I, why do I have this life? I, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what, what education you have. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how much money you make. We all have the same good and right purpose to show God to a broken and hurting world. So here's what God said. I started it. I started this incredible work of bringing a broken and hurting world back to myself. I'm going to reclaim it. I'm going to restore it. But I'm going away to take care of a few things, but I'm going to leave my kids here to keep showing the world what God looks like. 
I'm going to have some people behind the scenes, uh, behind enemy lines, in all walks of life. You might be an athlete. You might be a doctor. You might be a school teacher. You might be a student. You might be doing whatever you're doing. God has his people all over the place so that no matter where anyone in this broken world lives, he has a witness that will show him this is what God looks like. And guess what? That's you. That's what you're here for, to look like God, to talk like God, to love like God. And, and, and so this, this, this restoration is happening, but God didn't say, just wait till I get back, I'll take care of it. He said he wants you to do it. He wants you to love people. And he wants you to love people and fight for those that can't fight for themselves. To stand up for those who don't have a voice. To use all that he gave us that we may help those who don't have any resources on their own. That's what justice is. I I came across this great quote that I want to share with you. It says, we show God to the world. How? Because justice is what love looks like in public. That's all justice is. See, I can have justice in my bedroom. I can have justice and be kind and be forgiving to my wife. I I can be great. But at some point, God wants his children to take this incredible love and go out into the world and share it. Because there are people living on the streets. There are people who are victims of human trafficking. There are people, there are are whole portions of the the world, whole whole cities that are almost ostracized because they don't have the access to economic economic, opportunities. resources that this country is overflowing with. There's whole regions of the country that are living in poverty almost. And God said, what I want my people to do is to live into that and show my love out in public so that people will say, this is what God looks like. This is how God wants me to, to act. And, and that there's a God who, 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 who cares about me no matter what my circumstances are. And I want us to see this. I, just as a quick side road, do you realize It says in the Bible, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everything that's good in your life. Everything that's been, uh, I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad I received that. I'm so glad I got blessed with that. Every one of those things, it says, come from God. All your talents, all your abilities, all your intellect, everything that you have that is good and worthwhile is a gift directly from God. And here's the truth. Most of it he didn't give to you, he gave through you. (laughs) See, see God doesn't give us stuff to hoard it up. He doesn't give us stuff so I can collect all this stuff and have a great life and circle the wagons and I'm all good while everybody else is suffering and going to hell. He gave it to me that the gifts that I have, I can give to you. And you know the amazing thing? He gave somebody else a gift to give to me. So it just all flows through so that nobody is lacking if we're all working in this incredible rhythm that God has for us. He gives us these things. And he tells give it away. Be, be abundant. Be a little reckless with your gifts. Just, just give stuff away. And I promise I have your needs in the palm of my hand. I promise I know what you need. I promise I will care for you. I promise I will look out for your children. I promise you won't be neglected. I promise that I love you more than anything else I've ever created in all of time. But I want you to love people the way I do. I want you to see the hurt that's around you the way I see it. 
And I want you to respond the same way I do. So, so let, me, let me give us just a couple, of, a couple of thoughts. Some of these will be real familiar. Some of them may be a little bit of a stretch. I want to talk about what does justice actually look like in your life? Some of it's just real simple. Justice is kindness. Justice is just being nice. I think it's wonderful when we see somebody that's in need, maybe that person on the side of the road or the person sitting outside a restaurant and they've got the sign and they're, they're hungry and they're hurting and, and maybe they're a drug addict. Maybe they've made some bad choices. Maybe they've got problems. Maybe you don't know what they're going to do with it. It doesn't matter. If your heart tells you, I have an opportunity to be kind, and you do it because you just feel it welling up in you, that's justice. That's kindness. And, and it's compassion because you don't have to know what they're going to do with it. You, you don't have to stand in a place, well, you know, let me see your investment portfolio to see if you are going to take this $5 and invest it. For, that doesn't matter. Because I know I've made some bad decisions along my way. I know I always didn't do the right thing. I know sometimes I let people down, I let myself down, and Lord knows I let God down. But his love had enough compassion to say, I'm still going to be kind to you in spite of your mistakes. In spite of the fact that you may be caught in some kind of mindset, some kind of habit, some kind of way of being, I can still be gracious to you because I have had grace given to me. I think God wants us to look at our relationships and be reconcilers. Let me ask you a question. Are relationships better because you're there or are they worse because you're there? <laughs> right? it, it, it says it takes two to tango, right? So you might be having this war with somebody and you could either be making it better or you could be just dumping gas on the fire. This is, it was a little spark. It's a bonfire after you walked out the room. And so how are you interacting with people? How are you at reconciling? God said you're supposed to be reconciling. People are supposed to be brought back together because I put you here. People in your family. You have those family members that don't like each other? Amen. I heard that. I know, I know, I got them, I know. Every holiday, you're like, okay, let's map out a seating chart to figure out where we're going to put everybody, right? And, and so there's warring factions. And I would just ask, are you part of reconciling that broken relationship? Just, just drawing them just a little bit, just, just half a step closer than they were and they would have been because you were there. And I think, by the way, kids, I know kids can be awesome at this. I've seen marriages stay together because of the kids. The kids are reconcilers. You don't have to be old to be a reconciler. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart. Anyone can have a heart to see people that are separated, that are at odds, and, and, and be part of the process of just helping peace and forgiveness and love enter into a situation where there's division. And when you do that, you're an agent of justice. Let me talk about these last two quickly. What about restoration? Can I tell you what the church is good at? I've mentioned this before. We are pretty good at helping those who are hurting. 
We do clothes drives and food drives, and we're about to do a backpack drive, and that is wonderful. We are reaching out with kindness and compassion to people that are in need. See somebody homeless, we go and we serve at the homeless shelter, and that is a wonderful thing to do. But at some point, the church, the people of God, have to not just say, here's a sandwich to the hungry person, but we got to ask, why are you hungry in the first place? Why are there millions of people in this country with all of its affluence that cannot live indoors? Why is that? Why why do we have such an imbalance where people cannot get the basic necessities of life? At some point, we have to not just say, hey, take this and go feel better. At some point, we got to restore them to human right and human dignity and and respect. we got to be part of that process of not just blessing them, but restoring them, of giving them a new identity, a new sense of pride, a new sense of self-worth, of helping them get past, yeah, addiction problems and mental health issues. Yeah, those are real issues, but we can still restore people because they are worthy Because God lives inside of them, which makes their life just as valuable as my life. And last thing I want to put out here is this this reparations. Because you know what? Sometimes people have been hurt and taken advantage of so long that they don't even know what it means to put a life back together. And we don't just say, hey, that was bad news for you. Hope it gets better. Praying for you but we help give them the foundation to to be restored. I was watching the news not too long ago, and and I I don't know if this is true in every case, but I I certainly got the impression from the news report that this was fairly standard. And it's an increasing increasing epidemic that is just a, a slice of this, that people who have been wrongly imprisoned, So they didn't do anything wrong. They had the wrong person. They double-checked the DNA. They went back. Somebody else confessed. But you went to jail for something that you didn't do. You've lost decades of your life. And now they find out we made a mistake. You were innocent. And so now you finally go through all the rigmarole. You finally get to the judge. And you finally have your day in court. The new evidence comes out. And they are like, you didn't do it. You're free to go. If you get a good judge, he might say, I'm sorry, you're free to go. And they give you your clothes from 1940 and about $67. And they send you out. You've lost family connections. You've lost years of your life. You've lost time to, to understand how to even live and fit into society. You've lost, you've lost years of mental and, and, and physical anguish. And all they say is 67 bucks. Have a good life. We're sorry. There's something wrong with that. Something is owed to those that have been mistreated. Something is owed as a society. We can't just, just take advantage of people who have been, who've been mistreated or wrongly imprisoned or, or whatever their scenario is. We have to be part of repairing the damage that's been done to them. And it's part of this justice work. It's not enough to just feel sorry. We have to be part of the healing process. And that's what justice looks like. And for any one of us, it's way too much to carry. That's why God didn't just put one of us here to do it. 
We're supposed to be about this justice work. We're supposed to have kindness and compassion. And sometimes when we pull that passion and that, and that power that God has given us and, and all the gifts and all the resources and all the influence that we have, we can begin to change the whole system to work differently. I, I want to end with two quotes. And this, this, is, this is what I'm hoping that we get out of this whole series, that we are, we have been, and we are continuing to become a community of justice a community, a group of people that come together and our hearts are in sync with the heart of God and we care to be part of the solution to help those that are less fortunate and hurting, those that are marginalized and abused. And we can be that community. We can be that light that transforms entire systems that are destroying generations of people. But it takes some courage. It takes some bravery it takes some perseverance, and Lord knows it takes the power of God working in our lives. I want to leave you with two quotes of people that, that have been inspirations for me, that have been encouragers for me, that I think God sends people like this to remind us what's possible when we are connected to him. The first one is, is Dr. King, and you've heard a lot of quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King, I'm sure, but this may be one that you may not have heard before. Let me read it to you. It says, power at its best, sorry, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. Justice at its best is love correcting everything that stands against love. And so here's what I want us to, we don't connect these things. Power, love, and justice. Those three things are interwoven together into the life of people who are people of God. We have been given power because we have the power to influence. On my own, I can't do anything about human trafficking. On my own, I can't do anything about gender equality. But if my heart is sensitive for those that are suffering, and your heart is sensitive, and your heart is sensitive, and God pulls us together. And not only does it just become us, it becomes this, it's this entire church body. And then, and then we share that, and it becomes God's people that are scattered all over the way, all over the place. And by the way, I think we got some surprises in heaven because I think God got some people that we don't know were going to be there. And I think he got some people that come in different packages than what we're expecting them to come in. And God has secret agents that are about his justice and about his reconciliation all over this globe. And if we can pull our hearts and minds and resources together, we can overturn these systems. It won't be perfect. It's not perfect till Jesus is coming back. But he also didn't say stand on the sidelines and wait till I get there. He called us to be part of this incredible work. And then he says, it starts with us. I can't change the whole world, but I can change myself. I can't affect everybody else's thinking, but I can affect mine. And so the second quote is from one of Dr. King's greatest influences. And a man who was at the head of a revolution that brought dignity and respect to a whole nation of people. One of his most famous quotes, Gandhi says, you must be the change you wish to see in this world. I can't change everything. I can't influence everybody, but I can start right here. I can live as an agent of justice. I can look at my ability. I can look at my time. I can look at my money. I can look at all that is within my sphere of influence and I can say, just me 
God, I love you, and I will fight for the people that you care about. And what would happen if all of God's kids that he left behind to be witnesses of his power, if we could just get a hold of that, we would change this world. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.